Hi, and welcome to We Dig Plants on the Heritage Radio Network on the internet from two shipping containers at Roberta's Pizza at 261 Moore Street in Bushwick, Brooklyn. We are making great radio, right, Alice? <laughs> I'm Carmen DeVito. And we are the ladies of Groundworks, Inc. We design, build, and maintain gardens all around New York City, and this show aims to bring the culture to horticulture. Today's show is sponsored by White Oak Pastures. White Oak Pastures cattle are raised in a manner that has stood the test of time. It begins with southern sunshine, unpolluted country air, and fertile coastal soil. The cattle are allowed to roam the pastures and graze freely on sweet native grasses all of their lives. That sounds like a great life. <laughs> I want that life. <laughs> I want that life. Can I go stand in a field in California? Yes. <laughs> White Oak Pastures all-natural grass-fed beef has been available in all of the Whole Food stores in the mid-Atlantic states. We hope that you will support their program through your purchase of our beef through one of these Whole Food stores. For more information, go to www.whiteoakpastures.com. So it's August, and everyone with a vegetable garden is overrun with tomatoes, cucumbers, squash. Eggplant. Eggplant. <laughs> Have I forgotten about eggplant, how much I love it? Um, blogs and websites are also full of recipes for cooking, canning, or otherwise preserving this produce. So now I think we've all had our fill of these common members of the vegetal kingdom. I personally have harvested 24 cucumbers from a single plant this season, and the plant shows little signs of slowing down. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about something more interesting. Yeah, so this week, we're going to veer off this beaten path, Alice, and who better to lead us down the horticultural road less traveled but our friend Scott Appel calling in from Vieques, Puerto Rico. Scott's going to share his knowledge of growing and cooking some uncommon vegetables. Scott, welcome. Hi. Hi, hello, Scott. Hello, Carmen, Alice. Nice <laughs> to hear your voices again. How are you? Very well hot down here, as you might imagine. Well, yeah. it's about 72 here. It's perfect. <laughs> mm. But let's talk about some veggies. Well, first I wanted to introduce Scott, for those who tell a little bit about Scott, uh, for those who haven't um, had, the pleasure. had the pleasure and who have not listened to previous shows, which I, I think are very few of you. <laughs> um, Scott Appel is known as the Green Man, and he is a garden writer, horticultural taxonomist, educator, and lecturer. He is Scott Diapel, a self-professed culinary horticulturist. Although he is a professional horticultural taxonomist, he is also a trained baker, chef, and culinary historian. Combining all of these disciplines into one, he explains to his cooking and gardening students the history of the diverse herbs, fruits, and vegetables used in the kitchen or cultivated in both temperate and tropical gardens. He is the author of several books and innumerable articles. He lives, teaches, writes, cooks, and gardens in beautiful Vieques, Puerto Rico. And we had the pleasure of working with Scott many, many years ago at the Horticultural Society of New York, where Scott... Uh, was the director of education. Yeah, and he encouraged us to get as excited about plants um, as he is. And we're still very excited, aren't we, Alice? <laughs> Super excited. Oh, uh, well, thank you. So, Scott, I understand that you're spending as much time in the kitchen now as in the garden. Tell us what you've been up to. Well, I'm up to my elbows in Dovivala's Hippocarpa. <laughs> and we know that as what the What are you talking about, Willis? <laughs> Sorry, what? We know that as the salon gooseberry. 
It's a fruit I'm sure you've never even seen before. It actually is from Ceylon, which, of course, is now Sri Lanka. Um, it's a member of the Flacudiaceae, a pretty rare plant family to northern uh, stateside folks. Um, really drought-resistant. It's incredibly drought-resistant and wonderful. And even in the driest time of year when everything else is defoliated, it's still green, and I'm picking buckets of fruit, and they are... Oh, about the size of a grape with edible seeds, purple with a few edible seeds in them. Um, What's the common name again? Salon gooseberry. Okay. Wow. Salon gooseberry. So are you making pies and with them? Pies, tarts, jams. They're great for juicing. I'm literally, I've got gallon Ziploc bags up to my eyeballs <laughs> in the freezer. <laughs> that's it's awesome. It's miraculous. Mm-hmm. And... That's what I've been doing lately, besides baking and cooking and putting things up and making jams and jellies and everything else I do in a normal day. Right. right. <laughs> Taking care of the guinea pigs, the dogs. <laughs> yes, the chickens. Mm-hmm. Keeping the banditos away. <laughs> That's right. Mm-hmm. Do you yeah, have, do you have shotguns banditos. yet? <laughs> well, no, but they, frankly, not. Okay. And that's that's no. not my style. No. no. Um. So what else? What else are you are you up to your elbows in vegetables and fruits? Well, well, there's another great plant. Once again, you've never heard of it before, and this is another great drought-resistant vegetable. And in fact, maybe in the future we could do a show on drought-resistant fruits and veggies. Yeah, um, I don't have to give it a lick of water. The common That's name amazing. is Okinawa. Uh, the common name is Okinawa spinach. Oh. No, it's not a spinach. Uh, it's a veg- It's a leaf vegetable, so it's a spinach analog. Mm-hmm. And it has nothing to do with Okinawa. It's not from Japan. <laughs> it's from tropical Africa. Okay. Uh, but, um, as I say, it's drought-resistant, and it's great for stir-fry and soups and stews and high in vit- uh, vitamin A and E and uh, iron. So it's wow. a great plant to be harvesting. Mm-hmm. That sounds so interesting. You know, they're growing things like rice in Arizona. Perhaps they should be dr- growing Okinawa spinach instead, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> which mm-hmm. is a little bit more appropriate to their climate. And the amazing thing is it's a member of the Aster ACE, mm-hmm. and that tells us that it's a, uh, an Aster and Daisy cousin. Right. Yet, yet we're using it as a uh, leaf vegetable. Is it bitter, Scott? No, not at all. It's actually quite thick. It's called uh, Crassocephalum crebioides, and that tells us in botanical Latin that it looks like crassula, and you know that plant is yes. stone crop right. yes. in the States. Mm-hmm. So it's very succulent-looking, very dark green. Um, uh, raw, it's a little thick and juicy, but it's really great sautéed and stir-fried. Wow. Yeah, lately I've been eating, going back to my roots, literally, and eating purslane again, because for some reason, this year, it has infested my garden, and I'm sick of fighting mm-hmm. it, so I'm yes. feeding it to my family instead. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, it, it's called, in Spanish, it's called verdolaga, yes. and here it's actually considered a uh, medicinal plant. It is? But I, ha- I have it all over the place, and of course, I cook it up constantly because number one it's good for you higher in iron and potassium and it's free we i know free food you yeah. Know? yeah yeah it is a very good i i make it with um fresh tomatoes from the garden and red onion mm-hmm. as a salad mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. excellent mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. so let's mm-hmm. talk a little bit more about um some uh, some other unusual vegetables that you're growing tell us about the um the asian winged beans scott well that's pretty amazing 
Uh, it's a member of the Fabaceae, and that tells us, of course, it's a pea and bean cousin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sophocarpus tetragonolobus. Tetragonolobus, that's a mouthful of a scientific name. Yeah. But, but the species name tells us tetra means four and lobus means lobed. Mm-hmm. Now, if I said Chinese snow pea, everybody would most likely know what I'm talking about, be able to picture one, sort of flat like a butter knife. But picture a pea, uh, snow pea, instead of having two edges like a butter knife, it has four. So there's two wings. <clears throat> Pardon me. Two wings coming out. Hmm. So instead of a two-edged pea, you have a four-edged pea. Wow. And not only are the edges, not only does it have four edges, they're serrated. Oh, wow. So, the whole pa- so it's a, they're amazing looking. They look like they could, they're positively aerodynamic, and they look as if they could fly. It sounds like a weapon, yeah. <laughs> you know, like the, peg- like the pegasus of peas. Wow, and um, beautiful. But they're beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, they're from Africa originally, but they're cultivated throughout India, Myanmar, which of course is Burma, mm-hmm. Malaysia, and Indonesia. Um, yeah. Average garden soil and full sun. Is it? It's average a green garden. pea. It, yes, they're green. They do get when uh, the seeds are mature, just like a pea. They mm-hmm. become hard and dry, and you can cook them that way. Mm-hmm. But really, we pick them maybe an inch long, so they're really small. And you and like a, a Chinese snow pea, you eat the whole pod, mm-hmm. just like a sugar snap. Right. Oh, so it's so, sweet. It's sweet. Oh, yes. So you can stir-fry them, saute them, boil them, steam them. Mm-hmm. They're so wonderful looking. A bowl of them by themselves is a perfect side dish. Or uh, a crudite to serve with your favorite dips with uh, drinks, you know, before supper. Right. Right. That's a uh, lot. That's a lot more interesting than the ubiquitous carrot sticks. <laughs> yeah, right? they're wonderful, and being, and of course, being a legume, they're high in protein, and right. you know, for vegetarians like myself, that's a plus. Do you know if there's any place in uh, the New York City markets that that we, a New Yorker, could purchase them? Well, number one, all the seeds we're going to talk about today are available from Baker Creek Heirloom Seeds. They're out of Missouri, I believe. Okay. And that's, that, that's www.heirloomseedsplural.com. Uh, okay, we'll put a link on our Facebook page about that. Oh, great. Um, now, remember, I haven't moved back to New York since 2002. Right. But I would imagine there are some savvy farmers at the local farmer's market that are putting them out by now. Okay. And you would recognize them immediately because you would look at it and go, what on earth is that? Yeah, that four, it looks like yeah. It looks like a pea, but it's winged. Mm-hmm. So, so then um, it is out. it easy to grow, Scott, then? Is it like, you know, put it in the ground when, when the ground warms up and it kind of does its thing? Is it pretty easy? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. This is easy. Uh, planted after all danger of frost and the ground is thoroughly warmed up. Just like uh, any we, other pea, right? Yeah. Uh, well, don't forget, spring peas, sweet peas, we plant early on in March when yeah. the ground is still cold and moist. This is not like that. You want, it, you want the soil nice and warm. Okay. But you do need a trellis, so a tripod of bamboo with twine or chain-link fence or chicken wire, anything. You, you, you get the picture. It's mm-hmm. twining. So how many so days? How many days of of growing until harvest? Uh, are we going to get into frost issues here in New York? Oh no, this this is soon, so you can get them in a, just a couple of months. Okay, but you, you have to remember, just like our our regular peas, the young leaves and the pea shoots 
make a great vegetable. As well, that's right. And so you can stir-fry them or sauté them up. Also, this has the added bonus of come the frosts in the fall when the plant is killed. It has a big tuber for a root like jicama, mm-hmm. and you can dig you can dig that up and eat that. Wow! Wow! Mm-hmm. So it wears Quite. many hats. <laughs> it wears many hats because remember, jicama is a legume as well. Right. But only only the tuber is edible, and jicama, the above ground floral parts, are considered poisonous. Mm-hmm. So this has an added bonus of being really all reliable. Wow, we don't want to poison our families. <laughs> so again, this is Asian winged bean, Physocarpus tetragonalobus. Uh huh. Sopho, sophocarpus. It's okay. a silent p, silent p, like uh, like the word psalm. Okay. You know, p s a o m. Sophocarpus tetragonalobus. Okay. Say that three um, times fast. <laughs> Sounds like and make a hip hop song out of it. <laughs> I think it's going to be in the musical Glee. Yeah. <laughs> it's oh, going to be one of the songs. I know. I guarantee it won't be in the New York Times crossword puzzle, you know? No, but it should be. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, what about uh, Mexican sour gherkin? Well, now we're going to move on to another plant family. I've sort of divided these up just to keep my my mind semi-clear. This is the cucurbitaceae. So, once again, it's it's a melon cucumber cousin. Melon cucumber cousin, okay. Uh-huh. So Mexican sour gherkin. Well, they are sour. Uh, they are indeed from Mexico and Guatemala, so that part of the common name, common name is correct. And gherkin, well, we know gherkins, they're little pickled cucumbers. Sure. I'm sure we've all seen yeah. them. So that, that, that's applicable as well because you can pickle the little fruit. These are really another, these are all miraculous fruits. I just love them. This is Melophria scabra. Scabra tells us in botanical Latin that the leaves are sort of rough surfaced. Mm-hmm. Um, this is another vine, like a cucumber vine, a little yellow flowers, but the fruits, which are about two inches long, so they're small, look like Lilliputian watermelons. Wow. Green with dark green stripes and spots. And when you cut them open, the fruit, the flesh, is bright red with black seeds. Your, fr- your friends are going to flip out because it looks like a fairy cu- uh, watermelon on the plate. Except they're it's amazing. incredibly sour. <laughs> That's well, awesome. They're, not that, they're actually really refreshing. Uh-huh. And Interesting. They're in, and, and they're great in salads raw or fruit salads or, or as I mentioned, as pickles. So if they're, um, if they're small, Scott, um, does that mean they have a little bit shorter growing season? We don't have to wait too long to see the fruits on there? Or? Well, for this one, being from Mexico, I tend to, I think I would I'd start that indoors. Oh, okay. Good to know. And set out little plantlets. Do them like you do your tomatoes and eggplants. Sure. Okay, good. Okay. But I- once again, um, this is a vine, so you do need a, a support. Okay. Well, we have to take a little bit of a break. You're listening to We Dig Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. When we get back, we're going to talk some more with Scott Appel, our friend from Vieques, about unusual vegetables and fruits. Thank you. 
You are back listening to We Dig Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. That was the Ramones. When I eat vegetables, I think of you. Right, Scott? <laughs> is that the name of the song? It yes. Is. <laughs> when I eat vegetables, I think Alice of you. Alice always founds, finds really great tunes <laughs> to uh, connect to the shows. Uh, I'm so out of touch down here. <laughs> Um, okay, so we were talking about Mexican sour gherkins um, before the break. Um, anything else that we want to talk about with regard to that? Um, I don't really think so. People should, you know, all the uh, all the vegetables we're talking about. People need to try. Yeah, yeah. they need to really experiment. Um, that's to me. That's the key. Even if it's a failure, try. Try it. Yeah. And as I mentioned, the seeds are available. And for a couple of bucks for a packet of seeds, why not? Yeah, exactly. Um, Because then you can can impress your friends also with something other than eggplants. Yeah. And, you know, that kind of leads into the next family of plants that people were very suspicious of years ago that we kind of take for granted. Now, everybody knows, you know, most people eat tomatoes in the Northern Hemisphere and in Europe, eggplants, potatoes, peppers, that whole, that whole nightshade family, Scott, right? But for years, people were very suspicious of them. They didn't eat them. They, you know, they were a new thing, a novelty. And, you know, part of the reason was that they were in the same family as some really toxic plants like mandrake and belladonna and henbane and all these other things. But now we, we've accepted these members of the family, you know, of the nightshade. The outcast. Fam- the outcast. The nightshade. I love the nightshade family. Yeah. Every time I eat an eggplant, I think, wow, you know, this is part of like a really toxic group of plants, you know. But horticulturally and, and visually, they're gorgeous. Yes. I think. You know the the spikes and they can be really and the really flowers beautiful. are yeah. oh yeah mm-hmm, absolutely I think adding vegetables like multicolored peppers and uh, variously colored eggplants and tomatoes putting them in your flower beds yeah adds another dimension adds a visual appeal plus they're edible mm-hmm. um, and, and having them texture. in a mixed container yeah yes absolutely people need to do that and look at them for their their aesthetic value, mm-hmm. even if they don't cook, actually. But, of course, that's the, the advantage. But um, but the family we're talking about is the Solanaceae. That's the, right. Uh, the family of Solanums. And, you know, old world folks, you know, they, were, they, were, they knew all those poisonous plants that you mentioned, mandrake, etc. Uh, uh, eggplant is from India, as a matter of fact, but the tomatoes and all peppers are from the new world. Right. And the plant we're going to discuss briefly, is another solanum, solanum keto and C, keto and C. There's only one common name, and it's in Spanish. It's called naranjilla, naranjilla. That's N-A-R-A-N-J-I-A-A-L-A. Doesn't it mean um, little orange, Scott? It does. In fact, naranja in Spanish is sour orange, Mm -hmm. so it's a little sour orange, orange because sweet orange is actually called china like the country China, from whence it's from. Ah, okay. So this is um, a, a solanum from the, uh, from the Andes, in fact, and it looks like an eggplant on steroids. <laughs> Huge eggplant-like leaves with really robust stems with thorns. I love thorny plants. I do, That's too. What, it keeps you know, the they kids add another away dimension. from them. <laughs> 
You know, yes, and the flowers are huge, like eggplants, only instead of be- being lavender, they're uh, lavender with a white interior with those reflexed petals, mm. like an eggplant or a tomato, but mm-hmm. although tomatoes are yellow. Um, and the fruit is like a small, bright yellow cherry tomato with a green interior. Green interior, wow. Uh, uh-huh, and the fruit is delicious and juicy and tart. And in the Andes, it's used for making uh, juice usually. In fact, you can buy it occasionally in bottles. But it makes, uh, it's a great uh, candidate for pies, tarts, sorbets, juice them for tropical cocktails or um, just for juice itself. They're wow. wonderful. Uh, in fact, back in the 1950s, here on the main island of Puerto Rico, they tried to know and see a farm, but it, it became defunct after a while uh. because the, fruit, the bottled juice was so popular. Oh, wow. They just couldn't keep up with produce then. With um, production, I guess. Production or it just uh, people weren't buying enough of it. Yeah. That might be another idea as well. I'm not actually sure, well, but it was tried here once. That'd be a nice, a nice little small business to start now. So, being that yes. it's an Andean native, Scott, would that mean that it would do well in our temperate climate? I mean, it can, like, we can grow it maybe in Colorado or some places where other things don't do as well. Well, uh, that yes, that would work <clears throat> for if you lived. Uh, Northern in a northern state, I would uh, start it uh, in the winter like you would a tomato, mm-hmm. put it out, and um, if you could, keep it in a container and bring it in. Okay. It's one of these plants that you can keep year after year as a pot, as a containerized subject. Oh, that's unusual uh, for so it keeps uh, an edible. Hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, a bay window, a southern-facing window, a west-facing window, a greenhouse. So that's going to pay its rent. <laughs> um, so but it's really a great, it's, a, it's, it's another great unusual vegetable to try. Okay. And it gets tall. It's easily five feet tall, with, and the leaves are easily a foot long. Okay. So it makes a big statement in a, in, a, in a bed, in a flower bed. So that's something, again, that could be ornamental. You can grow it mm-hmm. in a pot, and you can, you can put it in a flower border and then take it in in the winter mm-hmm. and continue to enjoy it. Indoors. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Uh, Casabana. Uh, well, it's Casabana. Casabana. Okay. Uh-huh. We're actually going back a family. This is another cucurbit, so it's another melon and cucumber cousin. I actually really, I think I'm the only person that hates melons. <laughs> uh, Crenshaw, what, I hate watermelon, Crenshaw's, cantaloupe. Oh, I think they're awful. My son hates them too, Scott. You're in good company. Max hates oh. melons, and he's a fruitarian, as he describes himself. <laughs> you know, it's just something about the texture, and about that just turns me off. Although I like them immature and stir-fried the way they do in Africa and Asia, but that's another story. But the cassava nana, that's another Guatemalan native. And you can find them here. I've seen them here in our roadside markets. It's about a two-foot, a mixed two-foot-long fruit hmm. from cherry red to eggplant purple. Mm, nice color. This is, uh, there's no common name besides cassava banana. Uh, Sicana odorifera. And um, the fruit is incredibly fragrant. And ifera, I-F-E-R-A, tells us in botanical Latin, uh, it means to have or to bear, and odor is the word 
our word odor. So it bears, a, it tells us it bears a fragrance. Um, but when you cut this f- huge fruit open, it has bright orange flesh, and it's juicy and wonderful. And I happen to really love it. So it's quite unmelon-like. It's more <laughs> like... You say tropical fruit, and it, it sounds odd, I'm sure. Um, but it's, it's delicious and, and lovely. And it's a big plant. It's tenfold, so it needs a support. Um, in fact, it can grow, oh, 50 feet tall. Holy cow. So you could actually grow it up a telephone pole, I would imagine. But really, you could train it horizontally on a chain link fence. You could cover um, an unsightly outbuilding. I'm sure you could cover an unsightly neighbor if they stood still long enough. <laughs> I was going to say that. Actually, Oz, we should probably use this in some of our gardens. Yeah. Yeah. We have some clients we who have un- some clients up with it. <laughs> and some of their neighbors, too. <laughs> <laughs> Just hold them down for a, a day or two. Um, it vines quickly. Don't worry. It's, it, it'll be, you'll be fine. And they're unruly little children, too. <laughs> yes, precisely. The flowers are big. Like um, like a standard zucchini, wow! So big and big and yellow, and so you can stuff them. Yeah, and you know, stuff zucchini blossoms certainly mm, delicious. Yeah. Um, so you can use that. Um, but the fruit is quite miraculous, and also you can uh, put into a juicer to strain it for juice or for aids, jams, jellies. In Guatemala, it's fermented into wine, mm. and in fact, also it's dry, sun dried to make. If I said fruit leather, yes, uh, yes. you know you would know yes, what I mean. Sure. Yes, right. So it, it makes a great dried fruit. Mm-hmm. Um, once again, you've never seen it in any market in the states. You'd have to buy the seeds. It's a, it's a, this would be a tricky one for northern growers. People in the south where it's frost free, no problem. People up north, I would start the seeds early in the winter. Keep them as sunny and warm as possible. Put them put them out. Harden them off and put them out. Um, when danger of frost is over, you know, keep an eye on them. They don't want to be chilled. Mm-hmm. Put them in the ground, you know, and fertilize them and let them take off. Um, they'll set fruit, but whether it will ripen in time, you know, yeah. in time, that could be an issue. You know, up north, uh, uh, Vermont, in New England, I don't think so. Um, Baker Baker uh, Baker Creek Heirloom Seeds tried it. Of course, they're Missouri. Mm-hmm. They got theirs to fruit, but it got nipped before it was uh, ripe. Yeah. But the uh, underripe fruit can be cooked like a vegetable. Oh, okay. So, so you it, can still use you it. You can still use Well, you know, what's interesting, Scott, is that you're, you're very, um, and, and you're, you're cutting edge with using the parts of um, vegetables and fruits that others might discard. That's what I find really interesting, yeah. you know? Um, and that's coming into vogue now, but you were doing it a long time ago before, you know, people got into this making strange botanical cocktails and stuff. You were, you were doing that well before it was 15 years ago yeah, when before, we first met you. Yeah. And yeah. using different parts. And I was wondering if you could briefly, um, I think people get mixed up between what's a fruit and a vegetable botanically. Can you define that for our listeners so they understand oh. what that means? Oh, of course, of course I can. It's so simple. If you cut it open, uh, fruit and vegetable are really culinary terms. A fruit we usually have for dessert. We make a pie, a tart. A vegetable we have as a side dish. It might be green. It might be leafy. Mm-hmm. Um, usually it's savory. 
Mm-hmm. But but botanically, the, uh, a fruit is something that has seeds. An eggplant is a fruit. A tomato, a, a, a cucumber, they're all fruits. Mm-hmm. A pumpkin, right. A pumpkin, yeah. and if it has seeds, it's a fruit. And uh, really quickly, I'm not quite sure about our time, um, you very often hear on cooking programs about eggplant, how the male eggplant is bitter and the female eggplant is less bitter, and you can tell them apart by their shape. I've heard this for decades on the food station, on the, on the radio, people who didn't know what they were talking about speaking about food. Um, it's, that's a ridiculous statement in the fact <laughs> that it's like calling a pregnant woman male. Yeah. <laughs> right, that's okay. right. I, ha- that's interesting, yes. If it has seeds, it's the swollen female ovary mm-hmm. of the plant. That's the basic uh, meaning of a fruit. So there's no male and female eggplants, no matter how you slice mm-hmm. them. No matter, uh, no matter how you slice them, right? Exactly right. Put them, uh, them. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. <laughs> anyway, thank you, Scott, for clarifying. We always learn so much when, when we're with you on the show or otherwise. Um, unfortunately, we've run out of time, but we want to have you back to talk about perhaps some other unusual things that you're growing down there. I in, have to say, Viecas. Scott has the life that I think all New Yorkers want to have. Yes. Down in Viecas. <laughs> Cooking, baking, gardening. I know you I know you have some thoughts about that, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> we won't we won't discuss it on the air, but thank you so much for being on the show again. Oh well thank you so much for having me. It's always a delight, my friend. It's truly. always great to visit with you. So thank you for listening to We Dig Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. Thank you to Roberta's Pizza and Bushwick. Come get yourself a pie. It's a beautiful day. Today's show is produced by Jack Inslee and engineered by Nat Wiener. An archive of the show will be available at heritageradionetwork.com. We Dig Plants. Join our Facebook fan page, Groundworks Inc. We Dig Plants. Happy gardening. Thank you. Thank you.